Hello and welcome to the Bunker Daily. I'm Jude Rogers and I'm a new voice on the podcast. I write about arts, culture and occasionally politics for The Guardian, The Observer and The New Statesman and pop up every now and then on BBC Radio. I've also been writing a fair bit about where I'm from this year and as you might be able to tell, I'm from Wales. I was born and brought up in Swansea and I now live near Abergavenny. So that means that from Friday, my family and I will be behind the firebreak. What is this going to mean for Welsh people, the Welsh economy and England too? Are there any lessons to be learned by the rest of the UK from the Welsh approach? Is Covid also giving Welsh independence a momentum it perhaps lacked before? With me to explain all this and to fill things in for our listeners in England, Scotland, Ireland and beyond is Cathy Owens, former special advisor at the Welsh Government who works alongside the now First Minister Mark Drakeford for three years. She now runs one of the leading Welsh public affairs agencies, Deirin, and sits on the CBI Council for Wales. Hi Cathy, thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Right, just to start, tell me where you are in Wales and how things are for you right now on the edge of lockdown. Well, I'm sitting about a quarter mile away from the Senate in Cardiff Bay, working from home as uh, we have done mostly across the team since March. And I'm sitting about um, three miles away from my parents, who I'm not allowed to see at the moment because they're the other side of a local government boundary. So, you know, we've had slightly different rules at different times here in Wales over the last nine months. And, you know, we're all, all getting used to them. Um, and I think we're all preparing for the next couple of weeks when we're going to have to go back into a sort of full lockdown again. Absolutely. I'm similarly in a... I'm in a similar position to you. I'm in Monmouthshire, which is not under lockdown at the moment. And my parents are in Swansea and I haven't seen them for, you know, coming on for a month now. Well, let's talk about this two-week fire break. It's a drastic measure. Uh, firstly, do you think it's going to work for Welsh people? And what sort of reaction is it getting? You know, clearly people are concerned. And I think people are starting to realise that this might be something that could be a recurring way of dealing with the virus for quite some time. But I think in general, there is no doubt that uh, people in Wales have responded to the rules and regulations and the way that the Welsh government has introduced them in a way that's really quite different from that in England. The statistics show that the way that the Welsh government has dealt with it has been more welcomed by people in Wales. And I think, you know, the support for the measures taken and for the Welsh government, hasn't fallen below about 65% over the last year. And that really is quite incredible. So, you know, we have managed to avoid some of the huge political rows uh, at Westminster level. Um, I think that we've got a government which responds in a way that people understand and are quite supportive of it. Yeah, earlier in the year, Labour were not doing very well at all in Wales, were they? You know, pre-pandemic. Oh, that's right. I, actually, you know, that's what's that's one of the big political stories here. You know, we've got an election in May in 2021, and uh, we have got this multi-party system at uh, the Senate. And it was, uh, you know, Welsh Labour have been in power here for the whole of the time of devolution, but but not by itself. You know, we've we've, we've got used to having. Uh, multi-party governments of various different types, both formal and informal. Um, whilst Labour have remained the dominant party, uh, they've always had to do a deal with, with another party. But it did look like this was the time that Labour would would lose that control in May, partly because of the change of leadership. So we had, to, you know, both Roger Morgan and Cadwyn Jones had led for around about 10 years each. 
in a way uh, that appealed very much to people in Wales in that it's sort of quite a broad reach from the centre to the centre-left. And, you know, were electoral assets in themselves. They were seen as sort of men of the people types. And then we had the, the um, election uh, for the new leadership. And uh, Mark Drakeford won the election partly based on his appeal to the further left, let's just say, within Welsh Labour. We have been able to avoid quite a lot of the rows that we've seen, maybe across the UK in terms of internal Labour arguments, but there has been an element of that. But he wasn't necessarily seen as a very exciting leader. He's very professorial, very intellectual, you know, not necessarily the qualities one needs if you want to win an election or maybe to win a referendum or deliver transformational change. It just so happens that he is the sort of leader that you need when when you're facing a really complex set of problems like a pandemic. You know, the way I've been describing him, and I hope he doesn't mind this because I've worked with him before, is, you know, this is the sort of time for boring and competent leadership rather than yeah. for yeah. Churchillian speeches and, you know, promising the moon. And it just, the way that he works has just resonated with people in Wales. Just for listeners outside of Wales, Wales has had a devolved government since 1998 in the very early days of New Labour. This is obviously the first time that what devolution actually means is getting sustained national attention in terms of how public health, education and other public services are allowed to be governed in different parts of the country. Um, With this in mind, I wanted to ask you, how do you think Wales is seen by Westminster? You know, Johnson has not been... Um, picking up the phone um, to um, Drakeford, as well as obviously other people in other parts of the country, has been seen to, you know, shocking effect um, in Greater Manchester this week. Well, I think that's one of the issues here, of course, is that we are entirely invisible to Westminster, I believe. And that's not just to uh, Westminster politicians in the main, but it's also to the UK media. And, you know, our politics here is mainly invisible to the UK media. So over the last 20 years, whenever you get a story about Welsh devolution in the news, it would usually be about how that might affect English people. So it could be to do with, you know, whether English students would have to pay fees. I do remember a story, you know, that the BBC ran once. I think it was about, it was a a Scottish story, actually, but it was about a reduction in speeds on roads in Scotland. And it was done in a way to say, well, you know, obviously they're trying to... uh, trying to catch English people on the border. You just think this is absolutely <laughs> crazy. What are you dealing with? It's, it's absolutely nuts. We saw a little bit of this at the start of the pandemic. A couple of different things happened. Firstly, you know, there was a bit of a backlash to the UK media from people in Wales to say, hang on a minute, you really have got this wrong. So you'd have people, uh, you know, I, get, I think we get a bit annoyed by the BBC because, you know, we all, we all have to pay the licence fee, so we all think we own it. Um, but there was, you know, BBC correspondents saying, Mark Drakeford is making decisions that are different in Wales just for the politics. And you just think that's absolutely crazy. And nobody who lives in Wales is watching the telly and think, oh, yeah, he's doing this in order to win more seats at the next election. So a couple of other things also happened is that the UK government suddenly woke up to devolution. And it just was crazy. Some of the things that happened right at the start of the pandemic. So, for example, uh, the UK government put a lot of money into that uh, the testing system where you know set up by Deloitte and other elements of the private sector and just didn't engage with with the Welsh government in any way shape or form so um, my understanding is that the first of those driving testing centres was set up in Wales without any consultation with the Welsh government 
and people were expected to turn up there and be tested and the Welsh NHS was not going to be able to access the results. It was absolute madness. I think what's interesting, though, is I've got friends in England who are looking at Mark Drakeford and looking at the Welsh approach and going, God, can I be co-opted into Wales? <laughs> you know, people being quite um, admiring of the approach and and the sense that seems to be relayed through speeches, through communications in yeah. general. Um, you know, just to kind of um, underline what's been going on in Wales, you know, lockdown was eased later in Wales than in England. We waited longer to open businesses. Travel was also limited to five miles in the stay local period until early July, which I must admit, I found quite hard. You know, I wanted to see my family, but I also felt quite proud of that sensible approach. You've been tweeting about how localism has been working in Wales in recent days, and that is something else that people have been talking about outside Wales, how there seem to be conversations going on between the Welsh government and the hospitality industry, schools in more detail than elsewhere in the country. Could you explain to the Bunker listeners, you know, how the, this is working well as this localism? Well, I've got to say the Welsh Government hasn't always got this right in terms of engagement with businesses and sectors. So there has been a bit of a backlash there. I have to say there is an issue with capacity. It is a really small government. Half of the officials, I think, have had to be switched to dealing with the COVID crisis. So there has been, there have been some issues around the capacity to engage with certain sectors and, and people being a bit furious about reopening and closing again, those sorts of things. But one thing is starkly different, and localism as in the way that the Conservative governments and Conservative manifestos, both in Wales at a UK level, have talked about localism over the last 10 years, where they have tried to push out decision-making to a local level past the devolved governments as they describe it they're you know pushing decision making to local authority areas and let's face it it's what's happened is it's sort of come back and bite them on the ass with with what's happening in greater manchester at the moment and that's because it's just localism on paper it's not real there is no relationship building with local authorities and with you know regional administrations and with the devolved governments. That's 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 the element of localism that's that's missing, and that's a huge contrast here in Wales. What's different here in Wales is that the local authority leaders have been meeting the Welsh government on a fairly regular basis and and and, and sometimes on a daily basis. And one of the Welsh government ministers t- said to me, "They have saved us during this process." So, you know, not only are there incredibly strong relationships there, but we are we are working with local authorities in a different way. So we don't have the same private sector £12 billion tracing system that is not working in England. We have a system that is set up with local authorities, redeployed local authority staff and NHS staff, so that you get a phone call from somebody local in terms of tracing. And it, it's working much better. The evidence shows that they are reaching more people and that the response is so much better. So that is what I would describe as localism in action. How is Welsh business reacting to the firebreak, though? Obviously, there are very different rates of COVID-19 across the country. More rural areas are lower. Places in West Wales like Ceredigion um, and Pembrokeshire, also Powys in Mid Wales. Obviously, this lockdown has also been announced just before half term, which is a big time for tourist businesses. How are businesses reacting? It's a very mixed bag. And, you know, clearly, you know, some people's livelihoods have been absolutely devastated by this. And the slightly more cautious approach in Wales has meant that when we reopened after lockdown one, 
we we opened a lot a lot more slowly and people got a bit frustrated with that in the business community but the corollary of that is that people could understand why and people were and it was explained to people in a slightly better way as well so you know we did not open our tourist industry quite as quickly but people could understand why because it's the tourist areas in wales in particular that have the lowest level of covid so you absolutely knew that there would be increases as soon as the population in certain towns in West Wales on the coast would double in July and August. So, you know, there's been a little bit of a backlash as well, which isn't really, I mean, you can understand it, but some of it has been really quite challenging about keeping tourists out of certain parts of Wales. But I think there's a, in, I think in general, you know, I think the silent majority sort of understands it. Yes, we're going to go, go through some really difficult times, but it is not a good idea at the moment for lots of people from Manchester to go on holiday in Abbotsford. There have been some extra financial support packages as well in Wales. Could you tell us about those? Yes, I think that's, um, that's one of the things I think that's slightly headed off the whole uh, Greater Manchester issue here. I mean, we did actually have a vote at one point in Cardiff about whether we should have a metro mayor. And some people would say, well, if we did, there'd be a different response and we'd have somebody, you know, banging their chest and standing up against the Welsh government. I'm not entirely sure that would have happened. We've got a very sensible leader at Cardiff Council. And I think, you know, it's building those relationships over a number of years of joint endeavour and working together that means you, you don't end up in that situation. So the Welsh government have had a little bit of leeway in that uh, with their economic development budget, but they've had to make very difficult choices and they have shifted some money. So, for example, when they announced the two-week fire break, there was extra money for small businesses. So anybody with a small office will receive, I think, £1,000. And then any hospitality business that has to close down for that two weeks will receive £5,000, as long as they're not, not enormous. And I think that was a really interesting issue for me right at the start of the pandemic about the invisibility of Wales and this is somebody who works in the public affairs uh, industry so um, it was it was the Tesco response was really quite surprising so when the, the Welsh government made some quite different decisions right at the start of lockdown one about where they would spend their extra money that they were getting in terms of business support so um, rate relief in particular and they decided well do you know what we'll, we'll give the rate relief more to smaller businesses and we'll put a cut-off point where if any rates um, are sort of half a million pounds or more so you can imagine a massive Tesco somewhere then we're not going to give them a rate relief and Tesco's went ballistic and demanded a phone call with the first minister all that sort of thing and you know they've made squillions out of out of COVID-19 so I think it was the right decision and I think people generally support that 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 sort of slightly different decision making in economic terms. There seems to be a real confidence within Wales at the moment you know a rising of Wales status within the country and internationally and I don't just say that as a proud you know Welsh rugby shirt wearing girl from Swansea (laughs) but One thing that's been interesting out of this is that COVID and the different approaches have seemed to, from my reading of Twitter and various other places, seem to strengthen feelings of Welsh independence. Um, Do you think support for independence has changed during this crisis? It has changed, but it's changed in one way, I think. And that's, that's, you know, possibly an extra 10% of people in Wales, mainly Labour supporters, I would argue, that are saying, you know, that the independence would be a bulwark against these dreadful people in London. And I think that's just, you know, one relatively thin element 
So I think it's a bit of soft support there. Interestingly, you know, the Welsh government as a Labour position is a unionist party, but the Welsh Labour element is really strongly devolutionist. But Mark Drakeford will be very clear in saying, you know, this is, we've been able to benefit from making slightly different decisions around public health and some elements of business support. We've been able to make decisions that work for us in terms of location and in terms of travel restrictions and in terms of certain industries, but we wouldn't have been able to do this without a furlough scheme and the huge amounts of money that the UK government has been able to borrow in order to do this. And so, you know, he doesn't want to see this leading to a situation where Wales would see it adrift of the rest of the UK, but it certainly has reflected in the Conservatives losing in the opinion polls here. You know, does it mean that Plaid Cymru will win the next Senate election? Absolutely not. I mean, they will win more seats than they did last time. And that's mainly because we are sharing out uh, effectively the seven seats that are likely to disappear that accidentally ended up in the in the hands of UKIP at the last election. Remember the last election we had in the Senate is about the same time as the Brexit referendum. So Nigel Farage was on the front page of every newspaper. And this is where Welsh exceptionalism also ends, is that people in Wales were voting for UKIP at the same level as they were voting for UKIP in England as well. Because, to be, you know, we do read the Daily Mail in the same numbers here in Wales as, as we do in the UK. So there are similar issues uh, around Brexit, immigration, all sorts of other things like that, um, reflected in, in, the, in, the, in the media that, that we read. Plaid Cymru will be will come a solid third again um, at the next Senate elections. So it's not as if the. I, 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 what I'm trying to say is I don't think that that clamour to not be run by Boris Johnson is going to lead to a, a referendum on independence in Wales anytime soon. Yeah, it sounds. It is interesting though that um, movements like Yes Cymru seem to be going through Labour, as you say. It's not just a Plaid Cymru nationalist issue. It's more about a divorce from Johnson <laughs> and, uh, and I th- Westminster I think I think if you ask Labour members and I think if you if you if you survey people who to say do you think that the Welsh government and the Senate should have more powers I think the answer would be yes uh, that's where the, I think that bulwark lies I think people have been pleased to be able to see the Welsh government operating in a different way we've not even started the conversation about the economic outcomes and the resilience of Wales in in any independent way that that really hasn't started but i think we can all you know a lot of people are thinking that are looking at the newspapers in london and looking at the six o'clock news and thinking crumbs i'm glad that chap isn't running wales and you know we need to make sure that can't happen again absolutely and finally you know looking at the uh, twisted firebreak starter mark drakeford and um we all of us in Wales have seen this great image of him as um, Keith Flint from The Prodigy uh, across social media in recent days. It does feel like we're setting an agenda that is being listened to in other parts of the country. With this in mind, how uh, do you think Wales... I'm not sure about that, Jude. Honestly, I okay. think that's because I've got... Finally, I, th- I don't know. Having worked in this in the sort of devolved politics the last 20 years and been ignored for quite so long, I think, you know, once this pandemic is over, I think we'll, we might just go back to being sort of the quiet afterthought again. <laughs> I, I really, I, you know, I just, it's, it's just impossible, I think, for the commentariat, 
the politicians, the media types in London to see this as something that the UK should be learning from. I just think it's absolutely impossible. You know, I was, I was reading pieces that said, well, you, know, my, you know, this is a, this is, I think one of the pieces I read was called, this is a Welsh firebreak made in Westminster. And that, you know, one of the, is, is that uh, Mark's policies were falling in line with Keir Starmer sort of suggestions. It's like, this is so the opposite of what is happening here. And I just think that, you know, it's, it's going to be very hard to move people's lens in Westminster away from one end of the M4 to the other. I just think it's always seen uh, from that perspective. And I think that's, that, you know, this pandemic isn't going to change that very much. Maybe it's just my uh, bullish Welshness. It's the Swansea girl in me, <laughs> but you know, kind of hoping that this will make a change. Finally, how do you think Wales will change after COVID nineteen? If we can think of an after COVID nineteen at this point, well, there is no doubt in policy terms, the Welsh government is forging a slightly different path around uh, local economies, around working from home, around not trying to recreate what we had before. Whether that will actually happen is is another question. Don't forget, we have got this possibility of having a sort of Churchill-style election in which uh, Mark wins the largest number of seats in terms of Welsh Labour, but isn't the first minister. So we, you know, we might have a change in government. We can't rule it out, uh, and that's only what seven months away. So, you know, we cannot be absolutely sure that the government won't be different in May of twenty twenty one. But the current Welsh government is definitely seen to forge a different path in terms of focusing less on trying to win big, shiny investments from automotive and aerospace and maybe moving towards hubs for co-working for certain days of the week, but you know, working from home a lot more investing in local economies so that the money doesn't leave you know and and that sort of thing is not exciting so that's the sort of thing that will not reach the UK newspapers after COVID-19 is done. And just the idea that um, health is being thought about first rather than anything else which is also not particularly glamorous or exciting is it but uh, it really feels that's what's going on right now. I think you know we're going to see some of the reflection of that in the manifestos in the run-up to 2021 I think that social care is clearly going to get a lot of attention at this election and um, one of the suggestions is that Labour will introduce a social care levy so we haven't quite yet used our income tax powers that we have uh, we've got a you know very limited income tax powers here but we haven't used them um, and this is the first election in which we could I think properly the consensus is potentially some extra funding set aside for social care because I think people have realised that social care is, mu- is so much more important an issue than, than than has been given the credit and the people that keep us going, you know, for all of our lives are the one that, that's the area where we need some investment. So we're likely to see that um, at, the, at the next election, no doubt. Fantastic. Well, Cathy Owens, thanks so much for joining me in the bunker today. Or as we say over here in Wales, Diochen Vaur Jaun. Thank you very much in case any listeners think I'm being unpleasant. Um, thanks for listening. Diochen Vaur. Diochen Vaur. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, there's a new Bunker Daily every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday, plus a brand new panel show on Wednesdays. So please do subscribe. And if you want to support the show, search Patreon Bunker Podcast. Make a small contribution and you'll get lovely merchandise, plus early editions of the podcast and lots more too. I hope I'll be back with the bunker soon. For now, thanks for listening. I will see you next time. 
mae'r sioe Cymraeg cyflynwydd gan Jude Rogers. Roedd y cynhyrched oedd Andrew Harrison, roedd golygu Genevi, Alex Rees. Jacob Archibald a Yelena Sofronievich oedd yn cynhyrchwyr cynodwyl. Cedd oriaeth gan Kenny Dickinson. Sioe Podmasters oedd y Daily. Daily.